Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thanks uh, for taking the time today. If you have been listening to Faith Radio today, I hope the programming has been exceptional, and I hope to continue that trend today. I know I'm going to have a lot of fun with my guests because I've got great guests coming up. Uh, Dr. Uh, Phil Collins is going to be joining me in just a second. He is the executive editor of the Abide Bible, which, by the way, is a fantastic Bible. I have one myself, and I love it. And then... uh, uh, Pastor Robert Morgan will be joining me in the second half of the hour. And then in hour two, we're going to continue our prayer series. Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself will talk to Daniel Henderson from Strategic Renewal. He is all about corporate prayer, and boy, is he uh, a great insight to prayer. I can't wait for the day. So I'm going to start with a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The word of Scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. Do not ask, how shall I pass this on? But what does it say to me? Then ponder this word long in your heart until it has gone right into you and taken possession of you. Wow, what a great way to study the word. Dr. Phil Collins is the executive editor of the Abide Bible, and he's uh, with me right now. Phil, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. How are you today? I'm great. It's nice to have you back on the show. I'm a big fan yeah, of the it's Bible. Good to be back. I, I like it very much. Well, thank you. It's uh, a wonderful team effort, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's uh, before we get to some of the great things about the Abide Bible, let's uh, start with a little bit of uh, how not to read the Bible. Ha, ah, sure. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways that I've read the Bible in uh well, maybe not yeah, maybe incorrectly, but at least not in a, in a helpful way, that's for sure. Uh, probably uh, the way that I tend to personally read the Bible a little bit uh, too often is just to read it for information, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like a newspaper, and try to understand the details and uh, the history, and I just like information, and, and you need information. It, it's It's important to uh, understand what the Bible actually says, but if you're just reading it like a newspaper and you've kind of got control over what it says, and then you can put it down and say, "Well, I get that," and then move on, that's that's not a particularly helpful way to to really meet and be changed by God. Uh, it's just to read information, and and then sometimes I just read it for. Um, I don't know, kind of out of guilt, I guess, uh, where where I would say, okay, I need God to do something for me, uh, so I will maybe try to get him to do what I want him to do by, uh, you know, reading my Bible a little bit and show him what a good person I am, or I did something <laughs> bad and now I got to make up for the bad thing, or... Uh, just like, well, I'm supposed to be a good Christian. I hear good Christians read the Bible, so I better read it. So, yeah, a couple of ways that are not uh, very helpful. Um, maybe just uh, reading it as a bunch of rules. I've got friends who've told me, yeah, I read the Bible. It's all these rules and all these things I got to do. And and instead of reading it to understand who Christ is, who God is, and 
and understand that we all live by rules. You know, your rules are maybe similar or dissimilar from mine in some areas, driving or how clean uh, your house is or whatever. But uh, the rules in the Bible really tell us about what God values and who he cares about and how he cares about them, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to read the Bible that are, are not as helpful as others. Some Some people just read it for a devotional thought of the day. I want a little pick-me-up, a little happy thought. And uh, so they, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose to read the happy thoughts of the Bible. There's an awful lot of the Bible that's harsh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no real life uh, type. So if you're just trying to read for the happy thought, that that's another way that's tricky way to read the Bible. Because we know that God's Word is a double-edged sword. Uh, That's right. It is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this is something we we have to engage with fully. And exactly. I, I, you know, I, I know we're, I, we're not being critical at all of people who might be hearing themselves in some of these descriptions, right? Oh, I've done them all. I, yeah, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> I have to. Um, so we uh, we have to make sure we don't focus on ourselves, too. I think we have to treat our study time in God's Word as a complete act of worship to Him. It really is. It's a, it's a chance to meet God, to understand how God thinks and what He cares about, what He says about the world, what His uh, overarching plan for all creation is, and uh, just trying to read it just in a kind of a self-centered, selfish it's all about me way is uh, limiting and makes it more about you. It's it's like, okay, I've been talking about myself all day, and then I ask you finally, so what do you think about me, right? This right. is from an old movie. Right. And uh, and really, it's about God and, and who he is. And uh, now we find ourselves in there for sure, but uh, it's the way to meet God and, and to know him. Yeah. So when, you know, when people say you should really read the Bible, I mean, those are the most wonderful words you can encourage someone to do. Uh, But the Abide Bible uh, is going to give you a little bit of a heads up as to how to better engage with God's Word. Yes, uh, just reading the Bible, uh, actually kind of the research says if you just read it uh, and don't engage in it, don't soak in it, don't reflect and meditate on it, just kind of reading it doesn't really impact your life at all in the same way that I could read a math book and not really pay any attention or a history book and just say, yeah, I read the words. I, you know, I didn't really pay attention. It doesn't really impact you and help you to understand math or history. And same way with the scripture, you need to slow down and reflect and really understand and, uh, and put yourself in kind of a holistic way in front of the scripture and let it uh, impact your thinking and your feeling and your intentions, uh, just just all of you. And, and then it starts to, uh, you start to yield to the Holy Spirit who has inspired and illuminates the Scripture, and, and the Spirit starts to use uh, the Word to change you. Mm-hmm. Phil, in the Abide Bible, you've got so many great tools like for journaling scripture, you're going to encourage people to, to focus and reflect on scripture and its meaning for your life. So when you get some some guidance along that way, you know, I think everyone benefits a little, from a little bit of coaching when it comes to um, knowing how to do things. Um, so the Abide Bible gives us a chance to understand how to better journal scripture and how to better pray scripture. And then there's some very interesting uh, 
parts of the Abide Bible where it asks you to picture it and place yourself in a biblical narrative as a bystander or, or as a participant in this amazing event. And, you know, I find when I do that, it's, um, I don't seem to forget it very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's well put. Uh, me either. Uh, it, it's it's much more of an experiential process to put yourself in. It's just not head knowledge, but kind of, again, that holistic, whole person experience that uh, sticks with you longer. Uh, yeah. That, that's a very good way to put it. I heard somebody say, uh, tell me and I'll probably forget. Show me and I might remember. Involve me and I will understand. Yeah, yeah. So when you have these moments of uh, getting yourself in the biblical narrative as a bystander and and showing up and putting yourself there, which is the Abide Bible helps you do, it is a pretty powerful experience. Yeah, for for me too. The uh, process of using your imagination, uh, I think, is invited when uh, Jesus starts to tell stories and the whole Bible's, you know, a huge percentage of it percentage of the Bible is stories, and it's, it's inviting you to participate with your imagination. Mm-hmm. Maybe you give the listeners a, a, an, uh, an example of the, of the picture it uh, tool in the Abide Bible. Yeah, uh, well, uh, kind of uh, one of my favorite way, places to go is the whole process of, uh, of the storm on the sea. This is something that you can read uh, fairly quickly in the Bible, uh, just as far as the disciples get in the boat and Jesus gets in the boat and then the storm comes up and, uh, you know, the disciples are panicking, water's coming in into the boat and uh, they're like, Jesus, wake up, we're going to die here. And Jesus uh, talks to them about faith and then he uh, just with a word calms the seas and everything gets calm and they say, who is this man? And that even the wind and the sea obey him and and the, to go through that and picture yourself getting in the boat and the rocking of the boat, the sun on the back of your neck and, uh, you know, the the movement of the boat and the smell of, you know, probably it was a fishing boat. And then all these disciples that are in it and then the storm comes up, the barometer drops, the temperature changes, the wind hits you, the lightning, most likely the nausea. And uh, yeah, the nausea. Yeah, don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. You've been in a boat. <laughs> I've been in a boat. I've looked at boats and gotten na- nausea. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. You know, just to really feel that, and then to to watch Jesus react to the disciples and uh, watch the sea calm down, the wind stop so quickly. You know, just in this deeply miraculous way, and the reaction of the disciples. I I come away fascinated by Jesus in a deeper way than just saying, oh, yeah, Jesus is in control of the storm. Uh, and it, and it's helpful to me in the storms of my life to recognize that Jesus is here and he's not asleep in a way that means he doesn't care. He He's right here and, and I can wait and trust. And it's just much more of a kind of a visceral experience of of. Christ being with me, if I imagine it, than just saying, oh, look, those guys had some hard times, but they're fine now. So, Right, yeah. right. Let me take a short break. Dr. Phil Collins is my guest, and he's the editor of The Abide Bible. I've got one in my library, and I love it. After a short uh, break, promise, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
I'm back with Dr. Phil Collins. He's the editor of the Abide Bible. Just had a, a listener, Phil, ask me, do you have to read the Bible or can you listen to it? Oh, very good question. Great yeah, question. No, I, I, actually, I think the uh, vast majority of the time, the Bible doesn't really say anything about reading it. It, it says, uh, hear the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> listening is is a very powerful way. Some people, some scholars say even that it's written to be listened to. Uh, the vast majority of people around the world are oral learners, even today and throughout history. Listening is an uh, extremely powerful way to uh, connect with Scripture and engage in it. So yeah. I, I suggest you find somebody you like uh, to listen to. There's so many different readers out there, and yeah. some have the the gift and uh, you know that fits your pacing and language. But yeah, I listen to Scripture being read to me all the time. Yeah, I think the question was: uh, Is the Abide Bible available uh, in an audio version? Can it? Can you listen to it that way? Not at this point. Okay. Uh, we're kind of at the beginning of the process yeah, yeah. of developing uh, different, uh, I, I don't know if products is the right word, but uh, yeah, it, it, we've talked about it. It's just not been done yet. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about the uh, contemplate uh, tool in the Abide Bible. Right. So uh, contemplate is a process that's been practiced really for 1,500 years. Uh, It's kind of a four-step process of reading uh, and then meditating, which just simply means repeating, focusing in on some part of what you've read, and then turning that meditation uh, on what you've read into a prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the fourth step is really contemplating, uh, which means really just being quiet and being in the presence of the Lord. So these four processes is uh, really, I think anybody who's uh, really spent very much time in scripture kind of naturally does this. Right. They read and then they think about what they're reading and then they are convicted or encouraged or amazed and they turn that into a prayer. And, uh, and really the last part, the contemplating process is, is perhaps the most, unpracticed in a lot of churches where, where where we're just quiet and enjoy the presence of God like you would a good friend after a long day of being with them. It's just nice to be with them and, um, yeah, without, I don't know, demanding or speaking or asking. Just um, being in his yeah. presence, uh, you know, think it's, of the wonder of God. Uh, look at his majesty in awe. Just reflect upon who he is. That's that's just time to be quiet and, and think. And yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a life changer to to just be with God and and enjoy Him. Yeah, but when we come across a piece of Scripture, isn't it always wise to go, okay, Lord, what what am I supposed to be learning right now? Because you know you can read a passage of Scripture a hundred times, and on the hundred and first time, you you get almost a fresh insight that you've never had before because it's um, alive and active. So. Uh, to always ask God, what can I uh, learn? How can I praise you? How can I thank you? How can this convict me of my own sin? Uh, so that's kind of the the contemplation method, more or less, isn't it? It is. Okay. It is. And that, and that process of the 101st time learning something new has always been true for me. If, if I'm really paying attention, now if I'm just skimming, you know, not necessarily, but if I slow down and really pay attention, I have never found uh, that something just hasn't connected in a way that's kind of stirred my soul. Mm-hmm. So one of the things the Abide Bible has, too, is some really beautiful uh, 
photographs uh, and and works of art um, in God's uh, beautiful sculpture, stained glass paintings. It's got a lot of gorgeous uh, pictures in it. Yeah, there are 80, 80, 80 different uh, pieces of artwork in there. And then uh, the goal is to use the artwork as a commentary on the passage. So in the similar way that we would look to a biblical scholar to help us to understand history and uh, context and language, uh, the artist looks at the passage in a certain way and helps us to see what's also in the passage in a way that helps us usually connect in a more uh, emotional way. Uh, the Bible scholar helps us to connect intellectually, which is so very important, and then the artist can help us uh, perhaps feel the passage in a little bit different way, which is also powerful. Yeah, and uh, imagination, that's a, a gift that God has given us, and it's its not just child's play, is it? No, it really isn't. I think uh, this is why Jesus uses so many images and uh, uh, similes, metaphors. There's so many different types of language that uh, that really help us to connect and uh, see and understand and feel. Um, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the uh, praying scripture using the Abide Bible because it does offer some really nice guidelines and and helpful strategies for doing it. Yeah, praying scripture is kind of a variation on the contemplate uh, process, Uh, but uh, praying scripture, honestly, is my favorite one. Uh, I read a quote by George Mueller about 20 years ago where he he, he was a ministry person in the 1800s in England, uh, ran a bunch of orphanages, and he he writes about uh, how he comes to Scripture, came to Scripture, and he uh, basically said, I I stumbled on this, nobody taught me, but he would, uh, before he learned to pray Scripture, he would pray and then read his Bible. And then what he learned to do is to start with reading the Bible and just turn immediately anything that he was reading about into a prayer. So if it was, uh, you know, from any passage, whether it's the prayers of the Bible or really any passage whatsoever. But the idea is that something in that passage that you're reading is going to spark maybe a a praise for God or a confession of our own sin, something that you're thankful for. And instead of waiting, it would be just to immediately turn it into a prayer. Uh, And I find this so very helpful. It deepens my prayers it broadens them. I pray about things I wouldn't normally pray about. Uh, and I hardly can read Scripture anymore without praying about it and, and talking to God about what I'm reading as I'm reading, uh, not afterwards, but as I go. Mm-hmm. And then are you uh, writing this down, journaling this and keeping track well, of some of these uh, thoughts you're having? It's a great thing to do. I, I don't. Okay. And I'd love to say that I'm a journaler. My wife is a journaler. There are a large percentage of people that do journal scripture. It's probably the most practiced method of scripture engagement, according to research that we found. Uh, but I, I don't know if it's I'm doing so much writing the rest of the time or or what. But uh, that that is I, I've done it and it's been powerful every time I've done it. But uh, in the mornings when I that's just tends to be with time that I read that mm-hmm. I've not been a big journaler. But it, it's so important. We make our students here at Taylor write all the time because it clarifies. And writing as you're reading 
helps you to clarify and articulate prayers and concerns and confessions, and it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. But but I'd be lying to say I'm a big journaler. Yeah, no, that's cool. I don't journal either. Phil, uh, because we, we want to be reading Scripture with a holy attention, so mm, the yeah. question is, would the Abide Bible help me do that? I think so. That's what we've designed it to do, to... to have this uh, process of coming to the Bible. I, I like that phrase, holy attention. And really, I think, Bill, this is about 80% of the battle, is if you come to the Bible and and it's holy that you're looking for, you're looking for, for God, you're coming into his presence, and you, you want to have a, you know, an experience with God, uh, where you're like, this is God's word. I am. It's about Him. It's by Him, and I am going to give it my full attention. Almost as if Jesus were going to show up in your room, and you're going to talk to Him. Mm-hmm. And that holy attention uh, awakens you and uh, makes you lean in and and engages you fully. Um, so holy attention is a is a great phrase. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage um, my listeners to prepare? to hear back from God? You know, do we yeah. give God a chance to communicate back to us? Yeah. Or do we rifle through our prayers in Jesus' name, amen, and then we go on our day and we go, I'm, I didn't take any time to listen or to do anything other than just say my prayers and leave. Yep. Uh, yeah, and there's a time to say your prayers and leave, I oh, suppose. Of course. It's better than doing nothing. But, of course. Uh, yeah, the, for, for me, it is uh, slowly reading Scripture brings me into God's presence, and I try to let him speak to me as I'm reading, and then uh, opening up my heart to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I want what you want for me during this time. I want to listen. I'm going to pause. I'm going to wait and try to let you make connections in my life, in my family's life, in my community, my church. Uh, Help me to make the connections you want me to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that process is... It is very different than I did my time in the Bible. I did my however many minutes, and I'm out. Yeah, Phil, I know there's be lots of people that would love to get a little peek at the Abide Bible. Yeah, how do you go look at a, a sample chapter? Yeah, uh, th- the best way to do that is to get on the Abide Bible website uh, from Thomas Nelson Bible. So just Google uh, Abide Bible. Thomas Nelson. Okay. Uh, if, if you just do Abide Bible, you'll tend to get places that are selling them. Right. Uh, but if you do Abide Bible Thomas Nelson, uh, you can download uh, some chapters and, nice. and all of that. The whole thing is also available for anybody who has Bible Gateway Plus. Um, you can get the whole thing on there. That's it's available. Sweet. Um, as part of their package, but yeah. yeah, you can you can see what it's all like at that Thomas Nelson website. Yeah. Thank you so much, Phil, for being on the program. Loved having you. Yeah, very yeah. good. It's yeah. good to have been with you. Thank yes. you. Dr. Phil Collins Take has care. been my guest. The Abide Bible, is his, he is the editor. We'll take a little break. We'll be back with Pastor Robert Morgan. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Primetime, drive time. Let's get it started. Pastor Robert Morgan is uh, 
pastor of Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville. He's been there for 40 years. He uh, is a best-selling author with winner uh, and a gold medallion winning writer. There you go. I spit that out. He's uh, had more than 35 books in print and approximately 5 million copies in circulation. And I would say Robert Morgan is on my Mount Rushmore uh, of guests. So he's there and he's got a nice prominent position and he's with us today. Robert, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It's dangerous being on Mount Rushmore. You never know when you may fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Get it. But I think of my... I'm so so glad to be with you. My guests that I just love, and you'd probably be on my Mount Rushmore list. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And given the times we're in right now, I mean, I'm thinking of all the work you've done and all the, the books you've written and you know, I probably have have purchased uh, I don't know fifteen or twenty copies of the Red Sea Rules and given them out um, because they're 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 great principles for for handling uh, difficulty. And there's a lot of people suffering right now and and in difficulty. And I would love to um, talk about that a little bit just to get things started. Uh, yes, absolutely. These are very hard times. This has been a difficult year. Uh, not only with the virus here in uh, uh, Nashville, we also had a tornado. People everywhere have had their own individual issues. And then the political divisions uh, have had us all anxious and on edge. So there's a lot of things that we could um, worry about or be anxious about or be discouraged about. But, you know, Bill, I did a, a word study of discouragement in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I went I went through and looked up every time the word discouragement is found in the Bible. There is not one positive reference. There is no time when God tells us we should be discouraged. Every time that word occurs, it is to warn us not to fall into that trap. So I think even in a year like this, we have to keep up our courage. We have to be cheerful. We have to make up our minds to be thankful. And we have to barrel right on based upon the sovereign promises of our majestic God. And and it's important for us to remember that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things uh, I love about the Red Sea Rules book is it's, it's you can read it in a sitting, uh, and the, the, the chapters are beautifully laid out. There's 10 rules, and they're profound. And one of the first rule is... God has you exactly where he wants you. Well, this little book uh, is the story of the Israelites when they were trapped at the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. And the very first verse says that the Lord told Moses to lead the Israelites into this particular area and to the very spot where then they found themselves trapped. Uh, It was amazing to me that God led them into this hopeless situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They couldn't go forward. They couldn't go backwards. They were there in the will of God, uh, but he had a purpose for it. And there are a lot of times we don't like where we are in life, uh, either vocationally or geographically or financially or emotionally or relationally or in some way. But God knows where we are. And we are sometimes there because he led us there. We're sometimes there because we didn't follow him where we should have. But in any case, uh, Bill, it's like the GPS. He knows where to take us from where we find ourselves to the next stage he has for us. And we can't look back and 
shake our heads and, and say, what am I doing here? We have to look forward and say, what does God want me to do next? Isn't it uh, how so many people probably feel? Because the Israelites, they, they look behind him, and then there's a charging army. They look in front of him. There's water. There's mountains. There's, they're in an absolutely impossible, there is no solution situation. And then, and then God provides a solution that they couldn't have thought of in a, or dreamed of in a zillion years. Yes. Could have um, um, had given them the power to walk across the Red Sea. Have you ever <laughs> thought of this? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus walked across the Sea of Galilee. God knows how to do a miracle in which an uh, individual, Jesus, can walk across the sea, the, you know, the choppy, raging sea, just walk across it as though it's a lawn. Uh, but God didn't choose to do that. Uh, he could have transported them over. He could have had angelic chariots to take them over. Uh, he could have uh, used any one of, you know, many different ways of getting them over there. But he wanted to do something so spectacular to them that they would never forget it, not for generations to come. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Lord just wants to do something so special in our lives that we will never forget how he helped us. Yeah. Robert, let me jump ahead to rule number five. Stay calm and confident and give God time to work. Uh, what about if I don't feel very patient right now? Well, this is exactly, uh, it comes right out of Exodus chapter 14. Uh, Moses said, don't panic. Uh, don't Uh, Don't uh, distress yourselves. Just stand still and see uh, what God is going to do, what he's going to do next, because the battle is is not ours. It belongs to him. Uh, You know, there are times, Bill, when we may be impatient, but it isn't going to do any good. You know, we cannot accelerate God's will for our lives beyond uh, what his will is for us. Uh, Our times are in his hands. Uh, my wife passed away last year, and before she passed away, she uh, had a near-death uh, moment, and then um, she didn't, um, uh, you know, she, she, we thought she was gone, but, but then uh, the Lord rallied her, and we had her for another month, and, and we both came away uh, quoting that verse, our times are in God's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows exactly when he wants to take us to heaven. He knows exactly when he wants to implement the next stage in our lives. Uh, and we, you know, truly, we have to wait on him. Psalm number 37 says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. So the Israelites here had to wait. But then when God parted the sea, it was time for them to move. There's a time to wait, and then there's a time to move. Robert, I, um, I'm so touched by the way that you so lovingly cared for your wife. And I know we've talked about this before, but um, she had a a fairly significant um, issue with, was it uh, MS? Yes, yes. So you were, uh, you you had to, um, your caring for her was was beautiful and huge and sacrificial and you wouldn't have it any other way. I knew you think, I, I know you thought of it as the most beautiful, sacred experience ever. Um, well, I, I didn't do it perfectly. Um, <laughs> of course not. If I could go back and, and do it over, I know more now than I did then. But we said, uh, Bill, we, Katrina and I said that we were each other's caregivers. Um, I provided caregiving for her in some physical ways that, you know, she couldn't do for herself. 
but she also cared for me mm-hmm. and uh, and met emotional needs. And and when I would get panicky or I get afraid, uh, she knew how to uh, steady me and how to calm me down. And you know, I miss that. But we've got to. I think the broader lesson that I've come away from that all is that we are all each other's caregivers. Uh, we've got to have the needs of the other person in our minds and, and try to go out of our way uh, to care for whoever God puts in our paths. Uh, and that, that requires sacrifice, but it's really a joy to do, mm-hmm. especially when you look back at it. Yeah. Let me jump to rule number seven, because this is a, a wonderful, a wonderful um, rule. Envision God's enveloping presence. Well, this was very real for the Israelites in chapter 14, because the Lord was there with them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he dwelt there um, among them. And a little bit later, he would actually come into that tabernacle in a very uh, glorious way and dwell among them. So they weren't alone in that desert. They weren't alone as they were going through the Red Sea. They had the presence of God with them. In fact, the presence of God came between them and the um, Egyptian army. So that now this was probably, you know, they crossed over at night. So they were passing between these huge, towering, congealed walls of water at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, But the light from God's presence was so bright It was like the daytime. It was like a football field Mm. all lit up at night. But the same presence of God cast deep darkness on the Egyptians. And so it was not just the wonder of the companionship of God's presence. They had his protecting presence with them. And I believe we have the same thing. The Lord, when we wake up in the morning, we can say, good morning, Lord. I'm, I'm glad you're here in my room today. We can spend time in prayer and Bible study talking to him and listening to him. When we go into the day, he goes with us. He drives in our car or is on our bicycle or walks with us. He He's always very close. Um, and then when we come home, he's there. And at the end of the day, I've, I've found, Bill, that as a widower, the evenings are the most difficult. But the Lord is there with me. I'm not alone. And when I get ready to go to sleep, I can say, Lord, Uh, If you're going to stay up through the night, I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes and go to sleep. And we have God's constantly abiding presence with us. The Israelites did, but he will never leave us and never forsake us. Mm -hmm. And uh, rule number eight, trust God to deliver in his own unique way. I think sometimes we go to God in prayer and we give him a basic little scenario as to how we'd like to see our prayer answered. The Israelites could never have dreamed how that Red Sea would be parted. Not one of them, not even Moses, could have imagined that God would do something like that. And uh, so we, we, you know, the Lord has his way of doing things. I look back over my life, uh, Bill, and there are most of the things that God has enabled me to do for him. He opened the doors for me. I could never have forced those things to happen. He went before and, and opened those doors. And some of the things I desperately wanted to do, he didn't allow me. He didn't mm-hmm. open those doors. But I look back and, you know, there's a great old Fanny Crosby hymn that says, all the way my Savior lead me. And it, at the very last line 
says that when we get to heaven, we'll look back and we can say, Jesus led me all the way. I love it. Um, I'm going to take a little break, uh, Robert, if you don't mind. When I come back, I want to talk a little bit about your book, Worry Less, Live More, which I love, and also another book I go to all the time that you wrote, 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart. I mean, it's a little uh, reference book I go to all the time, and I always pick up lots of gems and insights and fresh pieces of wisdom from you. So thank you for those, uh, those resources. I just love them all. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, so I'll take a short break and be back. Pastor Robert Morgan is my guest. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Robert Morgan. Robert's written 35 books. I've already prepaid for books 36 and 37, which he hasn't even written yet, but I already want them. And one of the books that he's written is a great book called Worry Less, Live More. And uh, Robert, you do some, give some really great um, uh, practices that you, that you encourage us. Talk about the practice of gentleness. Um, I know that's out of Philippians 4, 5. Yes. My book, Worry Less, Live More, is an exposition or an explanation of the Bible's most definitive passage in dealing with anxiety, which is in Philippians 4. And there are about seven or eight different steps the Apostle Paul gives there. And one is, let your gentleness be evident to all. The passage says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And I wondered, why does he include gentleness here Mm -hmm. in this list? But it was, you know, when you think about it, it's very self-evident. When we are harsh, everybody's anxiety level goes up. When we speak sternly, when we lose our temper, when we are difficult, when everyone has to walk on eggshells, then everybody's anxiety goes up. But when we are uh, smiling and we are pleasant and we're treating people with gentleness, then anxiety levels goes down, both ours and everybody else's. So I think it's important when we are all under stress as we are now to remind ourselves of this Bible verse, let your gentleness be evident to all. And such a great reminder, especially now. You you personally had some uh, issues with anxiety, haven't you? Yes, I think it uh, runs in my family. Okay. Uh, I'm prone to anxiety, and uh, I've had to really work my way um, emotionally and, and mentally and biblically mm-hmm. uh, to a point where I can keep it, uh, or the Holy Spirit can help me keep it managed. Uh, There are three passages, uh, Bill, that have helped me more than anything else. Psalm 37, which says, do not fret. Matthew 6, which says, do not worry about your life. And Philippians 4, which says, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, I've memorized all of those passages, and I go to them over and over again. They are, um, the first one comes from God the Father in the book of Psalms, the second from God the Son. Um, and the Gospels, and the third from God, the Holy Spirit, and the inspired epistles. 
Robert, how do we take Philippians 4.8 and get it into our bones? Well, it helps to memorize it. Okay. I think that um, when you memorize something, then you can carry it around with you all day long. You can meditate on it. Uh, I've, I've learned this verse a long time ago, and I keep going back to it. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I may start quoting it. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So uh, we have to preach to ourselves. We have to give ourselves a talking to, and having verses like that uh, to encourage ourselves with and to quote to ourselves when we feel anxiety creeping over us, uh, that's a very important technique. Mm -hmm. And that uh, was 4, 6, and 7, wasn't it? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I was going to also pick your brain on 4, 8, which is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when we have all these negative messages that come at us during the day, how do we get this verse into our bones so this verse counteracts all the negative stuff? Yeah, that's biblical meditation. These okay. adjectives, what is true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, those are all descriptions of God and descriptions of His Word. And I have a book called Reclaiming the Lost Art of Biblical Meditation. Mm. You know, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So every day, uh, Bill, I will take two or three minutes working on some Bible memory verse. Uh, right now I'm, I'm working on a little path, uh, paragraph from First Timothy chapter 6, and I'll just say it out loud. I'll read it out loud several times. Uh, I may read it into my phone uh, and listen to it to see what I missed. Mm -hmm. But then as I go through the day, I try to think about it. Uh, if I'm going for a walk, uh, then I'll, you know, before I start listening to podcast or something else, I'll, I'll just let that Bible verse um, circle around in my brain. We need to have the Bible circulating in our minds like water circulating through a fountain. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, a tremendous way to get verse 8 into your system. I love that. And then the um, the being just intentional and self-talk, and this is all ways in which we can be instantly building up our self-talk because we're, we're preaching little sermons to ourselves and, and telling ourselves truth. And if we're doing that several times a day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help uh, keep us um, in the right state of mind. Yes, we have to do that. And self-talk is a very biblical pattern. Uh, the Lord had it in his Bible before any of the positive thinkers came up right. with it. Uh, you know, the psalmist said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Well, who was he talking to? He was talking to himself. He was asking himself, Why are you so discouraged? Now, you need to start hoping in God. So that is a biblical practice, to preach to ourselves, to talk to ourselves, to give ourselves a lecture, to give ourselves a talking to. Uh, sometimes we just have to pace back and forth in the room and even out loud uh, remind ourselves of the scriptures and the promises and the truths of God.
Mm-hmm. Robert, I, I often open up your 100 Bible verses everyone should know by heart because I'm working on them, but I'm also inspired by um, the the book and your insights. Um, so if I've got that open, and let's say I'm I'm focusing on 2 Timothy 3.16, which is all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness— there's a lot of uh, people that don't like or believe the Bible is true, inspired Word of God. So we're finding ourselves in that discussion more and more in today's world. Well, there is good reason to uh, to accept the veracity of the Bible. And if someone listening here is questioning whether or not Christianity is true or whether the Bible can be trusted, then the whole area of Christian apologetics has so much convincing information. I went through a period of time as a young adult when I wondered whether or not the Bible is true. But the Bible will convince you, uh, I think, of its truthfulness. One of the areas, uh, Bill, is the fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. When you study the Old Testament, you have Jesus on every page. And I could start right now and preach about every aspect of the birth, the life, the ministry, the character— the suffering, the death, the resurrection, the uh, second coming of Christ. I could give you all of that New Testament information without ever turning to the New Testament, because it is embedded in advance prophetically in the Old Testament. So I keep going back to these evidences we have for the truthfulness of Christianity. The Lord doesn't want us to believe in something despite the evidence. He wants us to believe in things because of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. So um, it's terrible to, uh, to have a Bible in your hands and not know whether or not you can trust it. There are very good reasons to trust God's Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert, I'm, I again extend my sympathy over the loss of Katrina. I, I know it's been a little over a year. It was uh, last year on Veterans Day. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, I, I, I look up to the sky sometimes, Bill, and I, I did this just the other day. I look up beyond the sky, and I think beyond the blue, there's the uh, up there. I have people. I have people up there. <laughs> uh, I have. Yes. I have someone I love up there. Yes. Uh, I have parents up there. I have a savior up there, uh-huh. and I just look forward. To, uh, to our reunion time. Yes. So I, I try not to look back too much in anguish. You know, you can't help it some. Oh, right. And there is grief, uh, you know, that never is, is gone. But I look upward and I say, I've got people up there and I've got to do what God wants me to do down here. And then I'll I'll go and, and greet them. And so we look forward and we look upward. Yeah, in, indeed we do. Uh, you said something earlier in the uh, interview where you said, evenings can be the most challenging or the most difficult. And I know that there are a whole bunch of listeners to my program that are in that similar situation, that evenings can be difficult and challenging. Maybe you could, um, in the short time we have left, maybe just give a word of encouragement for those who might be in that same situation you're in. Well, we shouldn't just sit and watch the television news. Uh, That's going to make things worse. We need to find projects. We need to take courses. We need to study. We need to find a book we're going to read. Uh, We need to stay busy, um, uh, either mentally busy or physically busy in the evening hours. Um, And that's what helps me. I'm going to 
I have a, a very small tree tonight that I'm going to decorate, and I'm reading through <laughs> Pilgrim's Progress nice. uh, in the evenings, and and I may watch a little something on TV, but but not much, and certainly not the news. But we have to keep ourselves occupied and with meaningful activity because right. God has something for us to do every single day, and He has everything scheduled out for us. We just need to stay busy doing our father's business. Yeah. I had a guest um, who was in the similar situation and lost her husband. And she said, I went from having a to-do list to having a to-be list. Yes. Very well put. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderfully put. Yeah. Robert, thank you so much for taking your time uh, to be with me and my listeners today. I've always enjoy having you on the program and I always feel so encouraged when I get off. So thank you for that time. It's a joy for me to build. The Lord bless you. Uh, so richly. Thank you for blessing me right now. That means a lot to me. Thank you. You're welcome. Yep. Bye-bye. Yep. Pastor Robert Morgan has been my guest. You can head over to uh, robertjmorgan.com to learn more about him and his books, or you can go to Amazon and check out any of his book titles. He's uh, he's a really good writer, and uh, you're going to love whatever you buy of his. Um, so anyway, we'll take a little break. When we come back, The prayer series continues. Dr. Peter Kapster and myself will be talking to Daniel Henderson. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.